It's like the floppy penis in Roma. It's like the floppy penis in Roma. <laughs> I'm not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> you're not, you're so, not, you're context, not wrong, you're not Walter. Wrong. You're just an asshole. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from Cinema Sins, joined as always by the voice of Cinema Sins, Jeremy Scott. Hello. And uh, I can't believe that he's even here right now uh, from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hey. Yay! There was, a, there was a thought there that we wouldn't be able to either have a podcast or Jeremy and I would be doing one that wouldn't be the bracket. And, you know, we would just shoot the shit or something i don't know uh but we are glad that you are here thank you i'm glad I'm you went here through too. some shit yeah it wasn't, yeah, like, yeah. It wasn't had, the shit but it was yeah, some yeah, shit. yeah. <laughs> i had an illness it wasn't the illness uh but it was a it was a rough one and uh still recovering still not all the way there but all the way there enough to talk movies with you guys because i love you and i've missed you it all was right. chlamydia yep 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 Man. hey <laughs> Hey, I was going to keep that under wraps, but now that you say it, yeah, there's wow. no way. Of, there's no Chlamydia way. Chlamydia has that never out. manifest itself this way ever. I should be in the like medical books. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no nope. kidding. Uh, we're going to go back to our best of the decade, uh, the 2010s bracket. We are at the Sweet 16 now, Let's and do it. make um, it hurt. <laughs> yeah, it's going to hurt. It always does. Uh, but uh, I'm going to go in the, the same order that we've been going. We're going to start in the North region. Uh, we're going to have the number one seed, Mad Max Fury Road, versus the four seed, The Nice Guys. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw The Nice Guys again last week. Yeah, Did I saw really? it last night. Yeah. I had to, had to give it another go. another go. It's going up against Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, seriously. Um, uh, but uh, I was trying to think if there was that there were there were four or five moments that uh, even though I knew they were coming or I'd heard them before, that made me laugh out loud uh, in this movie. Um, Russell Crowe, uh, uh, like uh, when he was when they're at the, the the steps and there's all those people who are pretending to be dead, and he's like, <laughs> and there's the people with the gas masks, and he's like, so. The gas mask, for some of you, I guess it didn't help. It didn't help. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And just listening to, I mean, this listening to just the casual conversations that, you know, like the dude, the dude on the bike, he's like, you know, I tried to get in that guy's film. I tried to show him my dick. Because I got a big dick. <laughs> hey, you want to see my dick? <laughs> but nobody uh, wants to see your dick, dude. <laughs> and then later on, they're driving. Is like, like, it's like, he's like, oh my god, that guy, that that kid asked if he wanted to see his dick, and he's like, it's like, it's like him and the chats of the world. That's what my daughter's gonna have to deal with. <laughs> um, he's like, it's over. Um, the the one part that I thought that I had forgotten about in this was the was the part where he's sort of like he's saying he wants to celebrate and like not and not help out the Margaret Qualley character really. And he's like, hey, let's celebrate. 
And his daughter is all like, you know, are you serious? Like, you got to be the worst detective in the world and everything. But he's sitting there. He's basically playing possum on this. And he's like, he's like the note on there. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's pointing to these apartments. It's these apartments next to the airport. You can't, the other reason why is that the number, you know, they, they think it's a flight that, that is on the note. And he's like, no, there's no, there's no red eyes at this time and everything. And so he really impresses them with this knowledge. And then they go and they find out that those apartments aren't even there and that there are red eyes and that there is a 10 to six and all this. And, and then, and then, and then he's, and then he shows again, like, Hey, uh, it's still not a flight. It's, it's the, it's this, it's, he goes from dumb to smart to dumb to smart again. Yeah. And I, yep. I, I love that, that just that, that change of his character all the way throughout he says something to Crow earlier where he's like, you have to be able to translate nitwit or dumbass or something like that. Uh, you know, like people are telling you things and you have to translate it. That's one thing that I love about his character in this is that he's able to take something like somebody like uh, uh, the kid with the big dick, quote unquote, tells him that it's like hat rack is the name. And then he yeah. go they go down the road and he's like, hey, it's hat rack. And it's a yeah. totally different name. But it's obviously the name that that kid was trying to say. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I love that type of shit. I like my two of my favorite moments come in the scene where they go to the hotel. They decide to go into this. The, I think it's the Beverly Western Hotel or something. And they go up to the bartender. And this is like the last maybe quarter of the movie. And the bartender doesn't want to give him any information. And Ryan Gosling, this shows how well they've become teammates over three days. Because Gosling just goes, you know... If you tell me something, then he'll stop doing it. And the guy goes, doing what? And Russell Crowe just grabs him by the tie and slams his fucking face on the bar. And then they get in the elevator and they go up and there's no dialogue. But the doors open and they hear this. They both peek their heads out and look. And there's a guy with a fucking knife coming out of his neck and he's bleeding out. And then they, they hear another noise and they turn to the right. And there's a guy who stumbles back and gets shot like six times. And they both just shrink right back into the elevator. And the door is closed. And then the fucking guy goes flying out the window as they're going down. The, oh, this movie is so funny. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I like the mystery involved in it too. It's uh, it's like complex, but not too complex. Like it, yeah. it, it's it's a it's a complex thing with a simple a- answer, basically. Yeah. Does it come out on either? way? No, it's been a minute since I've seen this all the way through. Does it come out either way on whether Ryan Gosling's character is either or, or is he just that combination? Like there he's are times where he's dumb, and there are times where he's just. He's smart about some things. I think that's. I think that's it. I think yeah, he's okay. both. Yeah, he's for sure both. He's not. He's definitely not. He's not like Bill Pullman and Zero Effect or somebody like yeah, that. Yeah. Where it's, yeah. uh, you know, he's he's just kind of he 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 does know enough to to to, uh, I guess, get through a case most of the time. But he's probably there's probably other times that he's completely lost and. And, well, uh, it, it does even show he's smart enough to be a little bit evil because, like, one of the early scenes is him interviewing this old lady client. Yeah, she's like, "I haven't seen Frank, and it's been a while." And he looks up, and there's an ash, like an urn, on the <laughs> on the mantle that says <laughs> Frank. And he goes, well, "When was the last time you saw him?" And she said, "Oh, the funeral." <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so he's taking her money <laughs> to look for a husband he knows is dead. Uh, but that requires a little bit of smarts. I think, well, and, he, and he goes to that, he goes to that party and he's trying to impress that girl dressed up as Pocahontas and, and, uh, <laughs> and he does this little dance or something and he throws himself off that balcony and rolls all the way down a hill where it just so happens that porn producer is like murdered down at the bottom of the hill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and Russell Crowe was like, how did you see that all the way up? Did you fall? <laughs> he like, he <laughs> figures it out. He figures out that the guy fell because there's no way he knew. Because <laughs> he's toe up at that point, right? That's yeah, after he gets super all super toe up, yeah. And then they take the body and they throw it over a fence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like this party that's going on. Like a quinceanera or something. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah. it's truly uh, underwatched. I think maybe our fans have watched it, but I hope it continues to get more and more of a following. It's almost perfect uh, com- combination of action and, and, and comedy. Yeah, and I've seen a few people comment. I've seen a few people comment about it, saying that they had not seen it before this podcast, and so I'm glad to see that people have started watching it. Well, like I said, I've only seen it once all the way through, but I've seen, I've caught it many times. I've just never been able to. To go to completion. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> uh, have you seen Mad Max or this movie more times? I'm I've just seen curious. Nice Guys more, probably. Nice Guys. I, I actually yeah. actually may have seen them about the same amount of times. Because this, this viewing of Nice Guys was the first one I had seen in like maybe a couple years. Somewhere under. It's weird because you, know, you expect a one seed like Fury Road, which is at the top of virtually every list. To, to just run through this whole thing. But I voted again against it last time with uh, blind spotting. And I've, I've, this is a toss up to me. I, I recognize the beauty and the awesomeness that is Mad Max, <clears throat> but the nice guys is just so enjoyable. Even if I've only caught, you know, a few scenes here and there over the years, it just, I love it. I love it. Well, so there, much. there are two things I think, at play here <clears throat> one is that at least over the last three years nice guys has been on one of the movie channels consistently uh so if, if i'm flipping channels it it's on regularly whereas mad max fury road isn't so that's why i think i've seen nice guys more but also if i want to watch mad max fury road i am buckling the fuck in man for like a two-hour tense thrill ride whereas i could come in and out of the nice guys like yeah that yeah, and just yeah, get, yeah do a little work or go out of the room whereas mad max is something i feel like i have to prepare for and i want to i've seen it probably five or six times just you know, not as much yeah um i don't know what else to say about mad max we have we have thoroughly discussed that movie i, I i've seen i saw this one recently probably about a month ago uh, in that black and chrome edition or whatever, and uh, you know it's still it's still super intense uh, and 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 very very good. Uh, what are we going to do with the voting? Mm. 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 I'm voting Mad Max. Um, I just there's there's it's such a such a fucking achievement that that movie was made and there's so much about it that works it's it's operatic it's visually stunning it's thrilling and tense it's emotional at times there's a reason i think it's on the top of a lot of people's list mm. back the best of the decade yeah. Yeah. i think it is 
Yeah. That moment with uh, Furiosa with her scream where you've, cause she's been stoic the entire time, right? She's been mm-hmm. either kicking ass or just looking straight ahead and figuring out what to do. And then she has that let it out moment. And uh, yeah, you're right. I have to go with Mad Max. If you don't mind me no, taking the decision. That's perfectly there, fine. Chris. Yeah, that's uh, perfectly fine. Um, I actually uh, may have been going nice guys here. Uh, wow. Uh, I, uh, I, I was sitting there watching nice guys last night, just thinking how, how enjoyable this is now uh, in my mind. And I won't tell you which movie I was thinking of, but in my mind, this was going up against something else. And I was having a really hard time figuring out if I was going to pick that or the nice guys. And, uh, I think I ended up on the other movie in that, in that, uh, in that matchup in my head. But between these two, I, I, I have the nice guys, but uh, Mad Max is going to move on on uh, this one, and I am totally fine with that. Um, yeah. uh, yeah, it's a good movie. It's so good, and um, and it's it's one of the best experiences that I've had. So it moves on to the Elite Eight. It will go Ooh. up against the winner of La La Land versus Hell or High Water, which, if you think back, this has already been a matchup, essentially. Uh, yeah, man. When, when we, <laughs> it went the it went one way. <laughs> yeah, when we did uh, the 2016 uh, best of 2016, uh, a lot of uh, this these movies were being uh, brought up. I think we ended up as a room picking La La Land um, uh, in that in that one. Um, I don't know how we got to La La Land, whether it was the first choice or what. I know that I picked Hell or High Water. Uh, I think Dicer and I both picked La La Land, and uh, Dubro over here picked uh, something off kilter. That's probably right, <clears throat> dude, bro. Dude that's bro. you. I was pointing at you. Mm-hmm. Well, um, maybe it was Moonlight. <laughs> well, if, as I remember, I either hadn't seen Hell or High Water at that point, or I hadn't seen it more than once. Right. Because I definitely remember saying, even on Twitter, uh, you know, eight months later, if I had it to do all over again, I would pick Hell or High Water over La La Land. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wonder if that's changed. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it'll, be we'll find out. it'll be interesting to see. Um, mm. uh, I watched La La Land again for the first time in a long time the other day um, because it had, it just had just been forever. Um, I didn't remember many of the songs. I didn't remember uh, some of the little things that happened in it, but um but uh, man, Damien Chazelle's so good. He's so good. Mm. How how is somebody mm. that talented that young? Uh, I mean, it's a, another prodigy, basically. the 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 colors in this movie, I love the. Uh, I mean, that opening sequence is something that you would you never see in a modern musical, really. Like something that's got that kind of. I just, I mean, just the idea that they decided to do a musical number out in L.A. traffic. Um, you know, is, is is just really fun that I think that's the, the, the big thing this has on me is that it's a, it's a musical set in a reality in which you can envision, right? Like typically musicals are all fantastical, Mm -hmm. like, Oh, everybody's even talking in the same way, that kind of thing. But, you know, right after that delightful musical number, which is fantastical, it's got the band playing in the truck and stuff like that. Uh, it goes back to normal traffic where like you get honking and Emma Stone flipping off Ryan Gosling mm-hmm. like a normal person would. And then it sets its course 
in interspersed with all these wonderful uh, 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 musical acts, like the one where they go to the party and they're wearing the dresses. And then it goes back to her, you know, going to that party where he's playing in the cover band, which is also very realistic, you know, where she's, you know, basically fucking with mm-hmm. him. Then it goes to that wonderful, what is it? City of stars. No, it's not city of stars. Uh, a waste of a lovely night mm-hmm. uh, where they start dancing together in a very classic Ginger Rogers, Fred Astaire type of thing. And so it's those, it's that juxtaposition, which I don't know how often I've seen it, if I've ever seen it, that really, really appeals to me. Do you think that movie had any impact um, on uh, or increased uh, visitors to the um, observation center, whatever that's called, Griffith. up there on the Hollywood Mountain? Yeah, the Griffith Observatory. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it as they show in La La Land. It's been well, featured in a million movies since what was that giant that they saw, or was it Rebel Without a Cause? Oh, uh, it was Rebel, Rebel Without, Without a Cause. Because that's because uh, yeah, he brings up the the line and she doesn't know it. It's like it's and it's yeah. and it's funny too that he knows that and she doesn't, and she's obviously a big huge movie buff because. She yeah, knows, yeah. and he's the jazz man. Yeah, uh, but uh, I know that we've been there. Yeah, I was, I, <laughs> well, that's I think what that's I'm, what I was about to say was that we went there after. I mean, Jeremy and I had been there in another LA trip before this, uh, but then La La Land happened, and then we sort of like we got to go and see it again or something like that. So it yeah. is a really nice set piece. It's it's weird because. Yeah, she does an interview. She must do her audition somewhere near that because that's where they end up doing their post mortem thing uh, after she gets the the part to to go over to France and all that. Um, and that's just such a nice backdrop, especially after all the stuff they've been through, starting with how in love they were at the first time that they were up there, and then how they've kind of resolve themselves even though they are still in love they've resolved themselves to a different status at this point in the same location another probably just genius directing uh trick also though if if your dream is to own a tiny little jazz club i hope you don't expect to make a lot of money Mm -hmm. yeah Drives you fucking crazy, do you, dude. That jazz yeah. club. Do you think that they did? Have we just have we discussed this before? Do you think that they picked Tom Everett Scott to be Emma Stone's husband because he was the jazz guy in that thing you do? I'm sure it didn't hurt. Like you, you think <clears throat> that maybe he thought of him being like while he was like Ryan Gosling is so much like Tom Everett Scott in that thing you do. Hmm. That he wanted mm. to wanted to cast him, and of course he's the guy who goes in and into Sebs at the end, and is like, "This place is <laughs> yeah. kind of cool," or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, well, both movies, te- both movies are basically saying um, you should follow your dreams, especially if they're ma- going to make you poor. Uh, you shouldn't. You shouldn't want to be a, a, a wealthy, famous musician. Both movies, like, because at the end of that thing, you, Tom Everett Scott, goes off and, and teaches music. Yeah. He becomes a teacher. You know how much teachers make? Not a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was bringing in scratch and pussy <laughs> when he was touring with uh, uh, John Legend. <laughs> and he's not doing either at Sebs. No. no. <laughs> you just jumped movies on me, too. That was that was shocking. Um, oh, yeah, the, the, I, I had forgotten, too, that he had become successful in this movie. I had forgotten about that, that aspect. Yeah. That and I, I I couldn't really quite believe it, like that type of music was just just took off 
became huge. There's a video. I'm sure you guys send this in the video. There's a video in in the in the movie that's like an interview. It's an interview at a fucking radio station, and it's got eight hundred thousand views on it. Yeah. I'm like, you can get, you can find like, you can find like whoever the most popular person is right now. <laughs> and put them on a radio station interview, and it'll have like fifty thousand views. Yeah, <laughs> um, oh, but man. like, I, yeah, I had no idea that they had that I had forgotten that they had gotten so big because there's a point like the way it's cut where, it you know when he's first trying out with that band, he's trying to play his traditional jazz piano in that, and then it cuts straight to John Legend saying, "Man." You're never, you know, this is, you're talking about Thelonious Monk and all these people. Those people were revolutionaries. You're never going to, you're never going to like be better. Um, if you don't, you know, if you don't have, if you don't have progression to all this. So like nobody's coming out to watch Thelonious Monk type stuff anymore. It's this, whatever this new jazz fusion, whatever it's called thing. But even yeah, even in that scene, by the way, when they're at rehearsal, all he does is hit like an eight oh eight, and yeah. it's just like all of a sudden, like it's it's a beat in the background, and he looks like he's been shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, it's not it's not cool. Now the the track they do later on, where he's doing the crazy like electronic keys, like Revenge of the Nerds finale mm-hmm. type of thing, like that's weird. But like it, that's markedly different. But like that part seemed. Oh, yeah, he just hit it up. <laughs> yeah, but I do like I I like how too that 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 argument starts. Um, he thinks that the only reason why I feel like he even goes with this band because he obviously doesn't like this kind of music at all. He's just doing it because he finally found a girl that's in love with him, and he thinks that if he st- sticks with this job, that she can he can keep the girl, and the and that you know this that that she wants this and everything. But then she says something like, well, I didn't know this was something that you wanted to do. I, th- I thought this was just something on the way to something else. And and then he gets upset that because he thought that she liked what he was doing. And he's like, well, I do, but I didn't think it was something that, that you wanted and everything. And then it's, and it's from that little part right there, it just ignites into this big, this huge thing. Uh, and I, I really think it was an honest sort of, it's an honest sort of way of, uh, of an argument starting. It's not some just one bullshit thing that happens and they t- argue about that one bullshit thing. It's about a whole bunch of other things. And I love that. How does that play out? Does that play out? Do you remember without score? I think that's the only place in the movie where there's no score, especially towards the end of I think that. So. I think you're right. I think uh, there's no score. There. It's on a record and the record runs out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I like that too. I mean, it it does spiral out. The only real contrived moment in this movie to me, I, I, there's a lot that's technically contrived, but the story contrived is the whole he misses her only one act play or only one man yeah. play by doing a photo right. shoot. Like he has to do that. He can't tell John Legend, dude, my wife is having, or my girlfriend <laughs> is having one performance yeah. that she's dedicated like the last six months. Yeah. To. Uh, but no, you gotta yeah, do like that. that. They, this band couldn't survive without photos of the keyboard player or some shit. Yeah. The <laughs> keyboard player biting his yeah. lip. and I think he realizes that funny. I think he realizes that during the photo shoot too, like there's no need for that. There's no need for me to be here, but he's, it's too late at that point. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's the end of it, right? That's what what well, breaks them. It 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 breaks them up because she's done. She doesn't want to act anymore. She goes home, uh, like home yeah. home. Um, he's, uh, he's like just lying around in bed and a phone call from an agency comes in and says, I saw the play and I want to cast her in this movie. So he goes, now this is another good thing that this movie does with this relationship. It's a sort of a, it's a very mature decision. I don't know if we see that very often with, with relationships like this, but he goes and he tracks her down. Uh, because, you know, she said that she used to live near this library and whatever. And that was a big thing in the movie where it's like, oh, he remembered that. Um, and uh, and sh- and she goes on this audition. She doesn't know if it if it's go- if it went well or not. But he's like, you, you're this is this is going to happen. You're going to go to Paris and you're going to have to dedicate your whole life. This is almost another. This is like a Damien Chazelle staple, right? Can't have the relationship if you're going to be off doing something to your, your, your fullest. Yeah. yeah. So well, that goes all the way through first man. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, so he tells her, you're going to, you're going to go out there and you're going to, you're going to be great. And this is, um, uh, you're going to have to dedicate your full force to it. And I'm not going to be the one that sits there and brings you down for it. And uh, so they break up amicably. She even says, you know, I'm always going to love you. And everything, which is a great, great scene. Um, and then Whitney Houston comes <laughs> on, and, I... and then Kevin Costner comes in holding Whitney Houston's body. <laughs> That's so crazy. Body. No. What's What's It's bad. No. No. I feel icky. You will oh, never man, see the good. cover of the bodyguard the same way ever again. No, you will um, not. All right. So it goes up against Hell or High Water, which we've talked about a bunch. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if there's much more that I can I can extract from this movie either. This is a very tough matchup, even though in the past uh, we have we have gone various ways with this with this uh, with this thing. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say hell or high water on this. Pulling off the Band-Aid. Ooh. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Wow. Um, uh, I think La La Land may be, uh, as far as like creative points and technical points, might be better. But I, I enjoy hell or high water more. Mm-hmm. It's such a good movie. You know I've got to go La La Land. I have to represent. Oh, man. you got to represent who? La La Land. <laughs> All those, all those millionaire actresses out there and j- jazz club owners. Uh, no, um, I was I was thinking about Hell or High Water, uh, and I was thinking about how I was thinking about how one brother is a criminal, is just getting out of prison, and one brother has never been a criminal and has been the stay at home, help take care of mom brother, and somehow. By choosing crime, by choosing to rob these banks, both brothers are making 
a more moral choice than their previous lives. If you think about it, right? Like the, the super criminal brother is now doing crime for a really good reason. And the non-criminal criminal brother can't do anything else except turn to this specific, specific life of crime to save his family's land. And I think it kind of unites them from two ends of the spectrum until the until the other brother goes off and does some crazy shit, but uh, in that last heist, they're they're both making the best choice for themselves. Mm-hmm. Was he uh, was Ben Foster just criming like randomly before he got uh, shit canned? Before he got, I think uh, he was doing like Grand Theft Auto and shit like yeah. that. But not Did, for not for the land or anything like that. Just for crime. Yeah, purposes. no, he's just a didn't, bad seed. Uh, yeah. Didn't he okay. just get out of jail for the killing their dad? Like yeah. he hasn't been doing anything. He he's he's just gotten back out. And like even before then, I'm not even sure if he was like criming, criming. Maybe maybe Grand Theft Auto, like you're talking about. Um, but I don't know if he was. He I don't know if he was like if he'd even killed people before, although he does it pretty easily in this movie. He sure does. Mm-hmm. There's a line where Jeff Bridges says something like, you know, that's the brother that, that would lead to bank robbery, not this other one, Chris mm-hmm. Pine. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I think he's been a criminal more than once, but hasn't quite gotten to killing status. But yeah, like you said, the, the, the switch flips pretty easily mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. So what are you going to pick? Um, Oh, I forgot. Uh, it's Hell or High Water. There's, I love La La Land, <laughs> but Hell or High Water connected with me on a spiritual level. Those people feel – I've said this before. Every person in that movie feels like a real person, um, and almost nobody in La La Land does. It's a silly thing to choose on, but um, that's yeah. how I choose. Uh, I dig. I dig. I would watch any either of these movies right this second. Goodbye to Ryan Gosling yeah. on two right off the bat, and – and two <laughs> L.A. as fuck movies, too. They're gone. Uh, we go on to the East region, where we have the number one seed, Inception, going against the five seed, Spotlight. Oh, yeah, this, oh. is a, this is a ah. rough one here. I uh, promised that I would watch Inception again before we, uh, when after we voted the last time. I have done that. Uh, I had the, got the, the nice little 4K version of, uh, of this one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Popped it in. Uh, gave it a fresh viewing for the probably the first time in some time. I've seen parts of Inception many times. Like it's usually always sort of in the middle of the movie or towards the end when I end up seeing it. And watching this beginning part, I was like, God, it's it must have been forever. It must have been since we send this movie since I've seen the beginning because I mm-hmm. couldn't remember any of that part. And as I, I started, I started bringing up a lot of questions with myself on this movie too, like how certain things, I mean, this is, this has been sort of the thing that everybody has to deal with, with inception, right? What they're trying to, they're trying to figure out how all of this is working and how all is this, is this, does that make sense? And, and there are certain things in this that I'm not sure do make sense a lot of times. Um, like for instance, and, 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 and maybe I'm being dense here, but, you know, in the beginning, they're 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 trying to get into Ken Watanabe's uh, head, basically, and they are doing something. They are doing extraction. They're not doing Inception in that. It's really easy to think that the whole movie's about that, but really, the the technology is about extraction, getting ideas out of people's heads, and um and so uh, they are at the beginning. They're at they're in this big mansion, like on the beach, and they're at a party. And there's a point where 
uh, Ken Watanabe figures everything out, and he's like, he's like, because uh, we're in your, he tells Leonardo DiCaprio, we're in your dream right now. He goes, actually, we're in Arthur's dream. And so, like, Arthur mm. gets shot, and he gets knocked out of the dream, and mm. then he goes back to the, he goes up to the next level or whatever, and he's out. And then I'm like, well, if it's Arthur's dream, how is DiCaprio still down in there? And how is Ken Watanabe still down in there if it was Arthur's the whole time? You know, like stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Does somebody take responsibility for having, I guess now, yeah, 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 yeah. Because even though they're collectively hooked up to these things and they build a maze, how do you determine who's ownership like is it the art is the architect like the ellen page eventual character is that her dream if they were doing extraction no i it's it's an actual developed like a video game level thing like so this is where the movie starts getting really confusing because you have to think about it in these terms someone constructed this level someone's dream is is in control of all of this and all of them are inside that person's dream so like (laughs) all of it all levels like, yeah so yes. like at the end of at the end of inception when they're in that ice level basically they're in tom hardy's head uh they're in tom hardy's head but the level was constructed by ellen page and yes. ellen page i think may yeah. have helped him with it because he said something like she says something like he put in a, a an out an exit of some sort so that you could get out out of it easier or something i don't know um and, and at times I'm sitting there going, well, wait a minute. Are they saying that Eames is his name? Are they saying that he constructed that level? Or are they saying that he needed to know that level because it was going to be his dream? So a lot of times in this movie, I was sitting there. I was like, oh, my God, that this movie really was made for you not to think uh, at all. Like, like it was made oh, yeah. for you. Yeah, I either think too yeah, much. Yeah, it was made for <laughs> you to to accept what they were saying and move on. That's what I'm saying. It what it, you can think about it all yeah. you want to, but there's always like a the way this movie is written, like every single thing that you can come up with is like, well, we have an answer for that, and 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 you know, like like well, we're 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 gonna get this super terrible sedative uh, that's going to knock us out for hours and hours and hours. And, uh, and, and, but we still need a way to, to, to make the kick work. So like I've done something where the sedative is strong, but your inner ear still detects falling. So you will get knocked out of the dream and everything. And so it's like, God, you guys like Jesus Christ. Plus nobody, (laughs) nobody ever really accounts. I know they're using the drug as they go on, but before they meet that guy who's got the fancy drug, does anybody ever account for like, possible loud noises right outside the building they're sleeping <laughs> yeah. in yeah because <laughs> these are populous places that they're right, in, right? like a bit like remember when that lightning struck right outside your studio and all oh yeah yeah because it's so goddamn <laughs> yeah. loud what if that happens while they're in a dream and everybody gets kicked right. on accident i don't nobody's it is very much like you said a movie that's that doesn't want you to think too much about being what you're told, but it does want you to mm-hmm. think not the, not about the details of what you're being told, but right. about the bigger picture. Whereas that defense, I often hear a lot about uh, fast and furious movies. It's like, well, that doesn't, that movie doesn't want you to think. And I'm, yeah, but it's not actually saying no. anything either. Whereas Inception yeah. is. Um, I, uh, 
I, I I keep going back and forth as to whether he's in a dream at the end. I, I always end up on the idea that that guy is in a dream at the end of the movie. Um, the, the top he spends now, I don't know if this is the movie, the script legend, I guess the script's legend basically says that the script says the top falls over, but they decided not to, to show that at the end, they just show the top spinning at the very end of the movie and it keeps spinning and it cuts off just as you see it maybe wobble a little bit. And, and, uh, the, the, uh, the issue I have is, and I don't know if the movie means it this way is he, he spins that thing and it's already like halfway ready to fall down when he puts it up. But when he goes and talks to his kids and everything, it's it's upright. It's completely upright, and it's going for That's a real. It's like it's moving too. Like it's like, all right, I'm I'm staying up. I'm staying up. I'm staying up. And then it wobbles <laughs> like the slightest bit, and they cut it off. And of course, you get the chills, and you see Christopher Nolan's name. And it's so imperceptible that it wobbles. It's just the time. You, you know that in editing, they were just like, okay, frame by frame. Once it tilts. Mm-hmm. One little bit for two frames. Well, and, and we don't know That's how it. many years don't we don't know how many it. years have passed since he is, has been accused of killing his wife. And now, like how long has it been since that happened? But his kids look the exact same. Uh, they're the same age. It looks like um, the, the, the discussion about how, how she throws herself out of a window is completely dreamlike. Like every the the she's on the other she's in another building when he goes out to that window. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense, much like a dream. And and the the thought of the thought of the the you know the the reason why he knows that this this uh, inception works is because he gave it to his wife. It could very well represent him too. Uh, he could have gotten the idea that the world he wasn't in was real. And he's been trying to get out of it ever since. Um, uh, mm. Regardless, she's kind of an asshole, though, right? Because she's set up a reality to where, because it, it, it's all about her. Like she sets this up to make it look like he killed her if he doesn't yes. go with her, right? That's yes. that's a bit of an asshole. But we don't know thing if to it's do. a dream yeah, thing. Yeah, but if she's, we also don't know how much mental illness is going on in that. Yeah, situation. exactly mental stress and uh, yeah so like at the end when he's in limbo and and they're like ellen page is like you know just just come back when you can basically which is another thing that sort of steps on a lot of the things that are in this movie uh when 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 joseph gordon levitt goes through that whole thing with the you know when they're in the apartment and or the, the hotel and he's like i'm gonna have to make sure this kick is is timed just perfectly because if I do it too early, we won't go back. And if I do it too late, the van will be in free fall and there will be no gravity. But apparently none of that matters. Like by the end of it, none of that matters because uh, because DiCaprio can be in limbo and somehow kick himself all the way back through all these levels without any any problem whatsoever. Um, and so, like, I, I, I was sitting there going, you went through that explanation about about why you needed to have this simultaneous kick, this perfect kick. And you see him, like, you know, tying the people together and putting them in the elevator shaft and all that. And I'm like, 
did you really need to do that? Now that I think about it, maybe you didn't. <laughs> maybe you didn't have to do that. <laughs> um, so um, I'm sure that there are other explanations out there. And there are people who are like, no, no, he needed to do that because blah, 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 blah. I, was like, I don't know. I just watched this movie last uh, couple nights ago. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if he does. Uh, DiCaprio seems to get back fine, mm. even after all the kicks are done. Um, so I don't know. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of stuff in there that if he's in limbo, they could easily hook him up to some other thing. That when he wakes up, it makes it look like he's on an airplane with everybody else, and he lands. He goes through customs. He goes all. He does all of that. They have that all set up, ready to go. And then, hey, you can take you to your kids. He's Ken Watanabe just says, all I have to do is make a phone call. He doesn't explain what his phone call is going to say. Like, how does he have the pull to 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 get him where he, you know, has no extradition to the United States? I know we're getting way into the weeds on Inception. We could talk about Inception a bunch, but uh, it goes up against Spotlight. And Spotlight is... Uh, talked about last time watching this recently it's just a way more special movie than i thought it was when i first watched it so um um yeah i don't know where i want to go with this uh with this matchup at all uh i know that spotlight is the more important movie inception is the more technically brilliant and creative movie that is a fair assessment um and i when when you think of when you pitch a movie that's a newspaper investigates this real life scandal you either think of you know, like, other than um, the the oh, one the with the guys, the, the 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 men and the deep throat, all the presidents, the, the men and the deep, all the presidents, men. <laughs> um, other than that, you throw that out. Most of those, most of those newspaper investigates a real life scandal movies, like the Post or the Report, are good, mm-hmm. but they're not yeah. like memorable, and they don't like weasel into your soul and your heart and like stay with you the way that Spotlight does. And I, the reason I didn't watch Spotlight for the longest time was I thought it was, hey, a newspaper investigates a real life scandal. I didn't think it was going to be something that I would that would go back to and continue to get invested in every time. I've seen it maybe five, six, seven times now. And every time it's just as compelling. Uh, and that's that's not like The Post. I watched The Post once and I'll never watch that fucking movie again. Yeah, they, <laughs> uh, the, Post, the Post is a movie that probably shouldn't have been made by Spielberg um yes it's uh it it probably should have been done by somebody who really got interested in the minutiae of that whole investigation and this one is more about <laughs> that one's more about something else i don't know it's not really the pentagon papers or whatever it's just, right it's it, i mean it is but not really it's just kind of you know it's, it's more about the paper than it is than the the story uh, it really is. It's more about his relationship with with her mm-hmm. uh, and then the sort of the bond they have and her being a woman owner and having to like get respect. It's really more about that or at least as much about that as it is the stuff they're researching. Yeah. I like that there's no outside romance really to speak of in Spotlight, right? Of of either between or outside of the team mm-hmm. uh because they're all attractive obviously. But there's no because you want it to keep any reference to sex as you know the the perverse uh, stuff that happened within the story. You don't. I I think it's a really smart idea to not 
even mention it, right? To not even confuse the brain by saying like, oh yeah, sex between regular people is really fun. Mm-hmm. That's how, that's, that's, <laughs> that's how, how I you, celebrate. Yeah, that's how you do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it would be disrespectful to the story you're trying to tell. If you like showed Rachel McAdams going home and boning her husband after a hard night's work. <laughs> yeah. This is what I'm saying. Like <laughs> something, this is apples and oranges, but like the Ted Bundy movie with uh, Zac Efron. You know, yes. like show, showed the salacious bits of Ted Bundy and his actual nice relationship with his wife uh, for a while. And then quick blip to all his murders at the very end. And then we're off for the credits. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's the polar opposite of something like that. You know, uh, this is a matchup I, I don't want to have at all. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to do here. Uh, somebody go first. I'll start. I'm going with Inception because I spotlight. You're right is is more important, but I I don't know if we've still besides maybe Doctor Strange, we haven't seen anything uh, kind of technically uh, spectacly impress us like this in the way spectacly? that mm-hmm. yes, in the way that it does it, and it also combines that with a thought provoking story, even though some of it you gotta you gotta just kind of go with with also really good performances. Leo is fantastic in this movie. Can be very emotional. Uh, very emotional very indeed. Very emotional indeed. Michael in there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, there's some some very emotional beats in that. And I love the story. I love the spectacle. Love Spotlight, but I'll go with Inception. All right. Spotlight. Um, because, because Barrett is wrong. And um, I love Inception. Not because Barrett is wrong. Uh I love Inception. I just the, the the stuff you were saying. If you think too much about it, uh, you know it stops working as well. But he is agonizing over there. Look at him, poor guy. Um, <laughs> whereas there's nothing in Spotlight that pulls me out of it, or if I think too hard about it, it makes the whole story fall apart. Um, and I think in uh, fifty years or so, it'll be much more talked about than Inception. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> I, I wow! I'm very curious to see if you're right. I'm f- curious to live for another fifty years, but like, and I hope you are right. You know, just for the current decade, you know, this is ten years later. We're still talking about this as being a technical marvel, which is kind of crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll even go so far as to say Inception is probably a more influential movie in terms of the visual ingenuity that will inspire Dr. Strange and other movies like that to come. Um, but spotlight is just, it means more. It has more to say. Sorry. Right. It, it right. does, but we've never uh, made that the end all um, reason for the, for our, our picks, even though if, if this, if you have movies that are completely even, you're obviously going to come for some, some you know any advantage that you can find to get that to make that decision um i, I in the end i'm gonna go inception here oh. i like i i mean i i love spotlight i think that movie is as perfect as it's gonna get but inception is going to win for me based on its ingenuity uh above all and we can we can deconstruct that ingenuity and whether or not it is jeremy has a sad <laughs> face written on a napkin um uh i agree i don't want to see spotlight go and there's movies like i said there's movies on here that i didn't like seeing go 
that I think are probably better than the ones that moved on, but it's the way the matchups go, right? You know, every time, yep. every time the NCAA basketball tournament plays, there's a bunch of teams that probably should have gone farther that didn't, and that's the way this sort of works. That's just the way it is, baby. What were you going to say, Jeremy? Uh, just uh, what I was going to say was this. <laughs> my, oh, my sad, sad face, face. on the screen. Yeah. Uh, no, I was going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm making peace with the, you know, if my heart's been broken enough times in this bracket at this point, it's just a, a lump of coal anyway, mm. and uh, <laughs> it can't be broken anymore. <laughs> so I'll, I'll take it in stride, and, uh, you know, somewhere in an alternate universe, um, we chose Spotlight, and that bracket is better. I mean, different. <laughs> <laughs> uh inception will move on to face the winner of perhaps the hardest matchup of the day uh it's mm. it's uh it's the raid two versus the martian mm. these are both mm. these are both movies that jeremy has espoused many times Ooh, i can jerk off to each of them yeah right there's a very short list of movies that i can jerk off to mm-hmm. and these are both on it yeah and I got two screens. Mm-hmm. I just yes. thought of about six different jokes I can't make on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh God, the Raid Two versus the Martian. I feel like when Barrett set up the bracket, he was intentionally trying to fuck me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has now succeeded. Um, I've been wanting to fuck you for years, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what they all say. <laughs> oh God, what do we? What do we do? Okay, which one of uh, which one have you guys seen more recently? Between I saw two? the Martian this morning. Uh, I saw. <laughs> I saw. Nice. I saw it in its brilliant 4K uh, version. Oh, it's like fucking candy, man! Um, oh god, I covet your TV so much. Talk, talk about jerking off, man! Yeah, and I, I saw <laughs> we'd all three. If we walked in, we'd all three. Just I know, I know. Reflection. Yeah. <laughs> Who's going to be bringing the bread? Um, <laughs> Oh, this, this podcast is gross. Oh, and I didn't even say any of my movies that were wrong that I drew. Oh god. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I saw the extended version of this uh, movie as well. I had not seen that before. Um, what did you think of that? I really mm-hmm. liked it. Um, it's it's interesting. I it's interesting. The Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott has sort of been considered this. Um, this master of the director's cut, although they don't call this a director's cut. They just call it an extended edition, which I'm wondering yep. if there is a, a, a sort of uh, business or union or some sort of reason why they don't call this director's cut. And, mm. and, you know, something like kingdom of heaven is director's cut and this movie is extended edition, but, but yeah, there were a couple of scenes that they, they, they threw in there. I, I thought it was interesting that they had Kristen Wiig talk talk to Chiwetel Ejiofor and tell him the reason why you don't say uh, bring him back alive is that people will think about him dying, but they don't mention that in the original one. So you're just like, you're just up in the, like you kind of have an idea why you're not supposed to say that, but they don't really spell it out and they don't spell it out for him. Uh, you, you would think that if somebody's going to be in front of microphones all the time, they would tell him, don't say that kind of thing. And here's why. Instead, they're just like, eh, fuck you. You're never going to be on the mics anyway. So we'll just have Jeff Daniels talk talk all the time now. I do love how that scene ends with Jeff Daniels saying, no more Vincent on TV. 
And then, like, you know, an hour later in the movie, Vincent's on yeah, TV. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, there's there's a lot of stuff in there that I I, I was I was going, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, was that in there? And 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 inevitably, every time you think, was that in there? That probably wasn't in there. Uh, so yeah, it it, it filled in some pretty good gaps in, uh, on there. Uh, I don't think it's required or anything to to watch it, but um, right. it was it was fun to watch the extended version. Um, you know what's good cool. about this this movie is the script that we don't talk about enough. Uh, we obviously talked about the source material in the novel a lot, but it's Drew Goddard, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Who wrote uh, who wrote and directed uh, Bad Times at the El, El Royale and uh, Cabin in the Woods. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't sound to me. Maybe I'm missing it because those two are very similar dialogue, right? Kind of like quippy back and forth, big cast and all that stuff. It doesn't sound to me like Martian dialogue. So I don't know how much is directly lifted from the book. I've read the book, but it's been a while. Um, and how much that did inform the dialogue itself and how it was delivered, because it doesn't sound like a Drew Goddard thing, but it's really, really good. There are times where Jeff Daniels sounds like he's doing a Jeff uh, Aaron Sorkin dialogue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember when we did interview Andy Weir, he said he thought Drew Goddard did a really good job of boiling the book and the character, especially down to, you know, what the intended purpose was. Uh, and I have to agree, the script is tight on this movie. I think that's a yeah. case where somebody gets a job and they and they know that they can't just infuse it as their own thing. They know that this is a script that Ridley, well, maybe they don't know who's directing it at the time, but they know that the source material is so good, they don't have to put their own little stamp on it. He's also an executive producer on this movie, too. So I'm assuming that early on, he was a big, huge book supporter, and he didn't want to change yeah. too much out of that book. Uh, so I, I think that's ultimately what it comes down to, that he's able to write it and not be Drew Goddard, quote-unquote, when he writes Yeah, that's interesting. But even when he's not... It's really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, this, this, this movie is just, I mean, Matt Damon's just so perfect in this. I can't even imagine somebody else in this role. Maybe it's because I think everybody has this bias after they've seen a movie, uh, you know, how, who else would possibly be in that role or whatever. But I feel like Matt Damon's probably the best person they could have come up with on this. Well, how yeah. did, how did he come when was Team America again? 2004. 2004. And at that point, he had done Good Will Hunting and everything, but he had kind of settled into, well, he well, did he, Talented he, Mr. He did, Ripley. He did Talented Mr. Ripley. He did Born. He had done Born by that time. He did Born Supremacy in 2004. So um, they were just making fun of him for his advocacy, his advocacy. not for his, his and, you know. And uh, the, the puppet that they made didn't look like Matt Damon. And so everybody started talking in that voice. For Matt I see. Um, I see. I see. So it, it it wasn't anything where they thought that you know. I think they just. I think they were just making fun of his advocacy, and it wasn't anything. They didn't think he was a he was an airhead no. or anything like that because he certainly has proved not to not to be. No, 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 no. I don't think that's it at all. Um, but uh, but yeah. Um, I uh I I adore this movie. Every time I watch it, it's just it's one of those. It's you could this is another movie you could just have on anywhere, and just pick it up from that point and and move on. Yep. 
And uh, so, yeah, I love it. Uh, what else? We, we got, we're going up against uh, the Raid 2 here. You could pick this movie up really at any point and enjoy yourself because unless you're after the, the kitchen fight, mm-hmm. <laughs> then, you know, everything, you're going to have at least one fight every, what, eight minutes or something like that. Maybe, maybe more often. But those fights themselves last about, I mean, that prison fight seems like it lasts 10, 12, 15 minutes because there's so many people involved. It's so kinetic. It's so uh, breaking bonesy. And, and the, the they keep adding people. They keep adding the officers and all mm-hmm. that. Uh, it's just uh, it's just so great. Yeah, and the- to quote the Martian, I think probably when they first showed the script of the Raid Two to the actors, they were like, "Are you fucking kidding? Me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, are we really gonna do this fight for this long?" <laughs> um, and it would be easier, I think, if badass choreography and 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 well executed choreography were the only thing that made the Raid 2 special, but that's not the case. There's a lot of incredible camera work, more than just that one shot between the two cars and going down the highway. All that stuff in the red mirrored hallway with uh, Hammer Boy and Batgirl mm-hmm. or vice versa. Um, <laughs> like, why do you even shoot against mirrored surfaces unless you, like, hate yourself? And he does that. You can't spot a camera or a light or a, a boom mic or anything in that whole sequence. So there's there's a lot of mastery at work here, way beyond just that. You can't just call this a martial arts film, I guess. Is yeah, what I'm saying. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean the 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 plot is somewhat incidental, but it's it's still good. It's uh you know it's 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 your basic uh you know uh, undercover story, and but it's uh it's a it's a good one. That those are always those are uh, those are always oldies but goodies. The 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 person who goes undercover and is uh either goes way too far down or is uh um uh in a situation that's hard to get out of or whatever you, you can always do but but they they stage all this they for at the action that's in the movie uh what does he do at the end by the way can can he quit does he kill everybody involved that would be after him or there's still the rogue government that's after him right i mean yeah all the bad guys are done i don't know what happens with his where what happens with his like police outfit at all i mean he's he said fuck them at the end well right because they're corrupt and that's why dude originally sent him in right Mm -hmm. yeah like you can't just send in the police because they're still yeah the whole whole point of him being undercover is is to find corrupt cops at least that's what that guy keeps telling him um yeah but like just like so he's still screwed just like leo and and departed is like why can't we just go ahead and arrest some of these guys this guy like killed so many people you know why can't we and it's like we're you're not down there for them you're down there for corrupt cops which is an annoying that's got to be completely annoying for an undercover cop to like see 500 crimes a day and then and then well we're really looking for this one specific thing and if you can find that <laughs> then then you're good you, we'll, we'll get you out uh between these two what are we going to pick i'm going to pick the martian martian well <laughs> i was also going to pick the martian um because you you hit it on the head, Chris, when you said that with the raid two, the plot is kind of incidental, mm-hmm. uh, and that's 
that's definitely not the case with the Martian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I like to consider myself one of, if not the biggest advocates for the raid too. I try and spread that love and that joy as often as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but I picked the Martian, even though you guys already took the decision out of my hands. Yeah. Uh, it goes up against Inception now. Martian goes up against Inception, and that is Leo on Matt Damon departed violence <laughs> again. <laughs> oh, uh, man. So that's going to be a fun one, actually. That is going to be a fun one. That's going to be a good one. All right, everybody. It's time to talk about movie once again. Movie. Movie. Uh, I saw a movie. I couldn't believe the era that this movie came out. It's 1954. It's called The Salt of the Earth. Um, Mm, It was made by a director who was blacklisted back in the uh, McCarthy era. And uh, I think I think what either the movie, I think the movie description says it's the only movie that was actually banned uh, from being in theaters back in the day. Uh, (laughs) But it's still amazing to watch it because in 1954, when you have a story about Mexican miners who are a part of a union who want to get the same rights that Anglo miners have. It's got a, uh, it's got a pro work and it's got a pro women, uh, angle to it. Uh, Hmm. and it's got a couple of layers that you would normally, I mean, even movies today have a hard time doing now. A lot of this is a non-professional cast, so some of the acting is not up to speed. Uh, hmm. But the 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 actual movie, the story of it is is incredible. Um, that there's something this progressive from 1954, um, and so you have these Mexican miners who they're, they're working in New Mexico. They they are Americans. Um, they they are they are being paid less and they're giving they're giving um they're getting less um uh safety uh help like they they're told to work alone they can't have other people working with them and this is all a ploy by this company to try to get them out and put you know basically white miners in um hmm. so they have their own struggle but when this the one of the main guys comes home and talks to his wife his wife has a bunch of wants and needs that she doesn't feel he is willing to uh, to give her. And so the women in this story are huge heroes and they are and the women are trying to tell the men, you need to listen to us, too, in this fight for your equality and everything. And uh, it's crazy just watching this movie. I'm sitting there going, is this really 1954? This seems it seems like it seems unbelievable that this movie was made. And, 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 and when I started watching it, I was like, this had to, have, I was actually, I didn't even know the background of it. I was sitting there like this movie had to have been banned or something. There's no way this, like <laughs> this movie came out and nobody talks about it today. And the reason why is because it was a blacklisted director and, and uh, it, it was like 12 huh. years before it actually even got shown in the United States. Oh, so, really? I was wondering about that. Like when, if it were lost to time, like altogether, or if it did actually finally get like a theatrical release, because even in what uh, 1966, I guess that would be a more palatable environment for for something like this. But it's yeah, certainly not right. like today. So it's a very it's a very good movie. Like I said, it's it's you have a lot of non professional actors in it, so a lot of it's like okay, you have to give them sort of a some leeway, but 
ultimately the story and the message is very good. And uh, it's as well you were, watching. as you were describing that movie, I had to bite my tongue three different times to keep from saying, "Could they be the minus?" <laughs> 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 of course, they're like three years old. <laughs> minus, not minus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but yes, Salt Salt of the Earth is uh, is a movie that you can find on Movie right now. Well worth right watching. Movie's got some crazy stuff on it right now. It's got it's got banned movies that have found a new life. It's got uh, it's got another uh, a trauma uh, a studio uh, movie on there. Tromeo and Juliet. Oh That's yeah, fun. I saw that. Ooh. I saw that back in the day when Cinemax had one every Saturday night. I saw Tromeo and Juliet. Uh, wow. That movie is gross and it's fun <laughs> and gross. <laughs> well, it's got another one called Blood Sucking Freaks, which uh, which was. Uh, I remember a guy who worked at uh, our theater who was always talking about that movie. And he finally gave me a tape to watch. Yes, it was a VHS tape of it to watch back in the day. So I've seen blood sucking freaks, another movie that's super gross, gross. (laughs) I'll tell you a movie that's bonkers though. And movie did a very cool thing with this movie. Uh, They did a live tweeting event. So the movie's called Southland tales. And you may not have heard of it, but you've heard of the director, Richard Kelly, probably from his movie, Donnie Darko. Right. A cult classic. He also did a movie called The Box that uh, was was a little more widely released. Uh, but uh, Southland Tales is just always been such an oddball. It came out in 2006. And what they did is they, they showed it. It's a beautiful uh, presentation, by the way, on the service. They showed it, and Richard Kelly himself... I mean, just an absolute tweet storm about the context of the movie, how he wrote it, how he directed it, what he intended, what his limitations were, that kind of thing. And it was fascinating. Now, it doesn't make the movie any less bonkers. This has, this has everybody, by the mm-hmm. way. Okay. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's got, it's got The Rock. It's got Justin Timberlake. It's got <laughs> Amy Poehler. It's got, uh, it's got uh, Sherry O'Terry. It's got John Lovitz. Mm-hmm. It's got Sarah Michelle Geller as a porn star. Yep. And she's in a movie Ooh. called Ch- Cock Chuggers 2, Cock Chugging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only that was on movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's got, uh, yeah, so the, the Rock's character and uh, Sarah Michelle Geller as a porn star, are getting together. And that's what sets all the events in motion. Wallace Shawn is a big villain. Like, it's just the craziest thing. And it's it, it's it's got a very under-the-silver lake, very inherent vice, almost a little spring breakers, by the way, mm. in its kind of dreaminess and a tiny bit of Starship Troopers because of the uh, technology and the effects and stuff like that. It's set in the future. It's set in 2008, by the way. Uh, it was released in 2006, but by 2008, apparently we had all this crazy technology. Uh, but yeah, it's a scene, man. Like, uh, and it's endlessly quotable. Uh, the, Chris had mentioned some of the, 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 the quotes, <clears throat> one particular towards the end. And it's, it's out of context the way Chris, uh, quotes it, but the quote itself, is out of context. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like even in the context of the movie, there's two, oh, Sean William Scott is in this, by the way, playing two characters. Yep. And what happens is he gets, he goes to two different dimensions and he meets himself 
And so the rock is like, you know, or uh, uh, Bai Ling, who he's talking to, says, you know, what would happen if they shook hands? And then the rock offers his famous line, which is uh, the fourth dimension will collapse upon itself. You stupid bitch. Then he kisses the fuck out of her yeah. and then he throws her to the ground. <laughs> this is, this was the movie, even though I was lost the entire time watching this movie, uh, the first time I didn't, I haven't seen it recently, but, uh, the first time I saw it and I was completely lost, I still thought this was the, this was the time that Dwayne Johnson actually became a, an actor like he like for them for the most part he had been sort of playing off of his own image and he kind of does that today too as a joke but like i i felt like before he was just kind of really trying hard to be an actor and in southland yeah. tales i feel like he got to that point yeah and it's probably the direction of uh, you know we saw we i think we all love donnie darko yeah uh and we you see the performances he got out of that great cast too mm-hmm um, you know, he's got some weird mannerisms that where you can tell he's right in that transition where he's like still trying tiny, tiny, tiny bit too hard. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as it goes on over two and a half hours, it, you know, resolves into where he gets natural in his performance. So I, I recommend it because I dig stuff like this. I like weird, cerebral, crazy, um, Fun rides. Oh, there's also that famous thing in the middle of that interlude with Justin Timberlake, who's a who's a Iraq war vet, uh, was injured in Fallujah, and now he's taking this synthetic drug. And when he takes this synthetic drug, he goes into this dream state. And when he wakes up, he's singing the killers, uh, all these things that I've done. And he's singing the I got so, but I'm not a soldier. And he's got this bloodstained shirt and everything. And he's swigging beer and there's dancing nurses and he's in a supermarket and it's fucked up, but it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, where should people go to get their movie fix for all that? And much more, this thing could go on. I swear to God for like 30 more minutes. Uh, but, uh, go to movie.com slash cinema this is the perfect time, people. I'm not trying to sound like somebody on QVC or anything like that, but this is the time to get an interesting curated streaming service that will show you stuff that you won't see anywhere else. The stuff that Chris was talking about, where are you going to find a movie like that? Uh, you're very rarely going to find Southland Tales somewhere else. So, uh, And it just puts it in your eyeballs, 30 movies at a time. Each go, One goes away each day, one comes in. And so you'll have access to 60 movies over this free period. So sign up today, movie.com slash cinemasins, 30 days free. Do it and have fun. And uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Oh, yeah. Man, that's a stinger right there. That's right. So, all right, we're going to move over into the other part of the the South region. And uh, the Sweet 16 matchup there is uh, Parasite, the surprise eight-seed win over the social network, and uh, The Cabin in the Woods, uh, the four-seed that beat Gravity last week. Ooh, uh, I'm ready to vote. Two upset, <laughs> two upset wins. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, there was, a, there was some uh, was a, was a little uh, sadness about social network last last week getting, uh, getting knocked out, and uh, 
And uh, for me, at least now, if you just ask me right now, I think it's because Parasite hasn't hasn't gotten inside of a lot of you yet. If you if you give it another five years, if you give it another five years, I think you might be leaning more Parasite. Uh, but you have to you have to practice that. You have to stretch things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to, to let it fully inside you. That's right. That's right. It's like uh, it's like uh, sometimes you have to wear a plug for like a, <laughs> that's right several that's right. days. Uh, some kind of a plug. Right. Right. See. Ya. Um. Anyway. Um. Uh. Yeah. Parasite versus the Cabin in the Woods. This looks like a mismatch on pay on paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, can I ask you a question about Parasite? Because I'm, I'm fascinated mm-hmm. at because I have my interpretation generally of this, and I I love it. But you guys have oh, a, a deeper understanding of it. I think who is who is the the leader of that family? The main family is it the the daughter or is it the mom or are they egalitarian because out of necessity because of their their situation? I mean, the dad is pretty much acting like a dad until the kid gets the job. He does? I think I mean, so. Isn't the mom getting the job and uh, like the pizza folding job and all that stuff? And sure. Everybody has, a, everybody has out, a right? hand in getting something in this. Like there's not anybody who's like at, at the beginning, you think that maybe the son, the son slash brother is the guy who's a sort of the head of this household. And then there are times where the mom seems like the head of that household. And And then you have that scene at the door where the daughter is telling him like, here's, here's what you say from Illinois, Chicago, you know, that whole thing. Right. And it's like, she's, she's the smarts of the outfit and maybe she should be running things. You know what I mean? But I guess maybe it is, a level playing yeah, field, right? Yeah, there's not anybody in there that's giving the orders or anything. Like, uh, Unlike the the rich family, right? Yeah, think about it at first when the, the, the son goes and gets this tutoring job. He doesn't know that there's going to be like other jobs possibly available at, at, at some point. He goes in there, right. he learns about this, and then he's like, oh, I know somebody who we could fill this. My sister could fill this. We'll go, I'll, I'll talk to her. So then... She goes in, easily fills that job, and then it's through them that they start learning that there's there may be a, a shadier way to get other jobs that are in this. And nobody's like sitting there going, Okay, you need to do this, or you it's it's sort of like all of them decide that. They've been poor for so long that you know, this is it, it's not a, a matter of debate as to whether they should do this. It's we let's try it out. Let's see what happens. And is it her plan where to come up with that they're not related? Like she, he wants to introduce her as his sister, or mm-hmm. she wants to be a fictitious character because obviously she doesn't have that background. No, they don't. Want, they don't want to have any sort of connection at all. Like they don't want to. They don't want that connection to be found because if you if you say, "Hey, my sister is good at this," then 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 it's you may not even get a phone call because it's it's too biased or whatever but if you yeah. if you say because yeah, right. it's all about so go ahead no you go ahead i was gonna say it's all about bouncing the recommendation the kid gets the job because they the family 
truly loved the kid before him. That kid was probably a hustler too. But they they wouldn't trust his recommendation if it was for his own sister. It w- it's only if he has a connection industry wise to somebody that would be good for that. Um, so I think it's it has to be that way. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. This movie. Talk about all the layers of this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's at least mm-hmm. seven, like a Taco Bell burrito. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> um, how's that Ramdan, by the way, Jeremy? Do you, do you, is it good? Yeah. Okay. So here's the here's my wife and I have made this six times now. Mm-hmm. We just made it today um, because the noodles are cheap as hell, and the combination of the two different types gives it a really interesting like umami kind of flavor that i don't get in a lot of dishes we put steak on it we put pork chops on it today we put shrimp on it uh all of them are great steak is the best but it's so you don't even need to use a fancy steak like they do in the movie um but we we love it we're like kind of obsessed with it man she makes that that stuff in this movie and and you know i guess she makes it in like seven minutes or something i don't know what it is but that's doable is it um uh-huh. it is <laughs> through, through the microwave oh my god it, here's my <laughs> nice yeah yeah it, it's uh that looks amazing um yep. the 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 stuff that she makes though god i'm like i definitely want to eat that because uh, it looks yeah. amazing uh in it uh, and the poor daughter she's like you know you made it for the son he didn't want it so you just eat it i like ramdan too what the hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but uh but yeah, it's hard. It's hard. a lot of times it's hard to see who really is the victim in this movie. Um, uh, I, I think we're because we're following this family around. It, we're we're happy that they're they're getting what they finally want out of life, and they're not having to live down in this this horrible place that they're living in anymore, and all that. They they make the family that they work for like slightly. Uh, they're not evil. They're not bad people. They're just kind of, I don't know. Um, Casually classes and racist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it, they're not just, uh, I don't know. You, you, you watch this and you're like, man, these people are definitely committing some serious crimes here against this family. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and you're glad that they're getting what they want, but at the same time, they're doing such awful things to get to it and everything. So, um, so it really does maintain a balance, uh, I think. I, you know, I was thinking that it's so balanced that by the end, by that end scene, it's one person from every level that's been killed, right? The 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 daughter, the father from downstairs, or the husband from downstairs, and the father mm-hmm. from the well, the, the top. The wife from downstairs also died. Right. Just in that scene, though, it's, it's, oh, yeah. you know, all those represented, you know, and, uh, it, it, it makes it even more gut punchy that the lowest level, quote unquote, uh, got the most casualties ultimately, right? It got yeah. two, uh, instead of uh, the one apiece for the other mm-hmm. ones. This will make uh, you happy. I just read on IndieWire from yesterday that Parasite is the most streamed movie on Hulu of all movies currently available. Wow. Nice. So maybe more people are becoming exposed to it and letting it get inside them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe so. I certainly hope so. Um, just like what Bong Joon-ho was saying, uh, I think it was before the Oscars. He said, if there's a, so many worlds that are opened up to you cinematically, if you can just, you know, 
read if you can read that two inch or whatever uh amount of subtitles that are at the bottom of a screen because a lot of people won't watch a movie if it has subtitles on it. yeah in fact i saw looking for that article i saw somebody tweet something nasty at hulu about it was a little bit racist about subtitles and hulu was hey if you don't like subtitles you could just learn korean yeah exactly <laughs> right <laughs> Oh, that Hulu. Uh, <laughs> what a scam. Uh, anything else to say about Cabin in the Woods? Mm. I think we're, we're talking about one movie with a near-perfect ending and one movie with a kind of out-of-nowhere not- very good well, like, relative to the rest of the movie. I think last I think last uh, week you asked me if if I if I hated the very ending of this movie and I I like the very ending where the monster finally comes out at the end. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I don't like the <laughs> ending where it's Sigourney Weaver coming out and explaining everything uh and 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 then not only explaining everything but like explaining things where they're like, well, we can fudge some of these rules too um uh yeah you know and and plus that looks like it's on an old buffy set you know <laughs> yeah. like it's just <laughs> yeah. like it's staged just so weirdly because the rest of the movie is so excellently done and paced mm. i just wish they would have found a way to maybe even cut to that final shot from a different place without having to go through all that stuff. Like between these two movies, it's even hard to say that like, like it, on initial blush, you might say cabin in the woods, maybe had maybe has the creative, uh, edge on this, but really it, mm. it doesn't. I mean, it has, it yeah. perhaps <laughs> has a premise that is a little bit more creative than parasite, but like the, the, uh, the things that happen in parasite are still like, you know, those are super creative things that happen in this. And, um, yeah, there's no wolf tongue licking though in parasite. That's true. That's true. No, no, but there's also no clockwise nipple rubbing in cabinet. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, really? uh, uh, we well, know yeah, they don't get to that point yeah, yeah, I that so. we know of. Yeah. That, I, I like the part where the, the, um, husband of the rich family is talking to his wife and saying, well, you're going to have to fire the limo driver. And I don't know if it's because of this is how they 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 translated it, uh, or if this is how it comes off in the actual Korean and everything. But and it's like he's like you're gonna have to you're gonna have to have you have to fire this guy. You don't have to tell him about the panties or the car sex. <laughs> you know like just a very matter of fact about you don't have to tell them about the panties or the car sex but it says that in english on the subtitles and i'm like i'm wondering if it just comes off that blunt and and whatever in the in the korean too uh this is not uh this is not a competition for me it's parasite um parasite parasite Mm, rock the shit out of that one yeah. that's right parasite moves on to the elite eight it will go up against the winner of the big short versus her um yeah this is a tough one um i haven't seen I've, I, even though i've seen the big short probably the most of any of these movies um i haven't seen it in a while actually but it's probably been since i was on the plane with barrett in uh coming back from chicago <laughs> uh, that's still one of my favorite moments to look over with no context mm -hmm. and see ryan gosling uh with the subtitles going i'm jacked to the tits <laughs> yes <laughs> 
I don't know what it is. What do we think about Ryan Gosling as an actor, by the way? I, I've heard many different interpretations for him. I'm very high. I very now high love him. him. I used to think he was a little phony, mm-hmm. even for you know a, a good-looking actor. I think ever since this run of the movies that we're talking about right now, Big Short, uh, Nice Guys, La La Land, you see an auth- authenticity in him that uh I, yeah i'm in love with him. yeah even in first man man i like i don't love first man but he's fantastic in that he movie. is fantastic in that yeah yeah um there's definitely a uh a, a, a vast improvement over the days of murder by numbers um <laughs> you watch that movie uh i mean he's he's fine in murder by numbers but he's also like sure. you know i mean he's not nearly the actor that you he's gonna become no no and even in either one of those like, kids can go up against sandra bullock at that point and anybody no. in that movie no. i don't think uh like in crazy stupid love i know his character is supposed to have some douchebaggery to him a lot of it and a lot of artifice to him and stuff like that. But also, you can see it. I think you can see it in his performance. And I've seen it. Gangster Squad. Yeah. You can see it in that, mm-hmm. too. Like, you can see there's there's been some performances where he's just wooden. Or he's just, like, trying to be too much of a tough guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he's definitely rounded out. I don't know. Maybe it's because they started putting him in these kind of comedies and everything. Like, you know, yeah, he's funny. Sure, he's there's a way about how he he reacts to things. He just really gets it. Um, and uh, and him and this and the nice guys are some of your some of my favorite performances ever. Um, Mm -hmm. so, uh, now, uh, the big short going up against her. This is such a man what the hell um uh i guess in this matchup her is definitely going to win on creative points because um big short is is basically a biopic but but it's got some creative flourishes to it for sure mm-hmm. um uh especially when they're they got margot robbie they've got anthony bourdain they've got selena gomez you know explaining us tough concepts and everything um uh, it's just it's just hard to know whether or not these people are heroes. You have Steve Carell, who is uh, you know who's the one conscience in this movie, but like, I mean, all of them are all of them are profiting off of everybody's misery essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Even the narration in that is a creative flourish that actually works because mm-hmm. if you don't have that Ryan Gosling, it's it's Ryan Gosling that does the narration, yeah. right? Uh, oh yeah if you don't have that character narrating, ain't no way you're going to know w- which way you're going. So I, you know, that's, that's the one, one of the instances where narration is a positive thing. Uh, yeah. but with, with her, like you can tell Spike Jones just don't, don't give a fuck. Right. Like he, <laughs> mm-hmm. he, he makes whatever he wants to, whenever he wants to, is this his first movie since, well, okay, so he did where the wild things are, but before I think this that, was right after that, yeah, he but had taken forever. That, it was like Three Kings, taken, right? No, no. Well, he's no. in Three Kings. He's, he's in, in Three it. Kings. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, he did being John Malkovich, and he oh, did yeah. uh, he did adaptation, 
And then he took forever to do where the wild things are. And apparently yeah. it was something that he had done for, he was working on for like 10 years or something. Yeah. And he finally came out with it. Uh, and then I do believe it is her that came after that. Uh, and that took forever as well. Yeah. Uh, so he's one of those kind of directors, I think, uh, where he, he wants to have a great, very well realized idea before he goes in to make it. And he wants to make that best movie he can make. Didn't he do like jackass stuff? I know he is a yeah. music video director, but like yeah, he, he's involved he's, with the jackass guys. He's in, he's in, I think the second jackass and he's one of the people dressed up as like an old man in there such helping a weird them out career man oh it's no kidding such a weird career yeah um i i honestly don't know which movie i would pick out of this out of this group guys so um uh uh jesus christ do you want one of us to go first no i, I feel like i should go first on this one just let's pull the band-aid off i'm gonna say her is better mm. than the nice guy i mean wow. better than the Big Short. Mm. I I love Big Short. Like I said, I have seen this movie probably more than any that's in the bracket. If and maybe of any movie of this past decade. And wow. I think it's just like The Nice Guys where it's got you know, it's just funny and entertaining throughout, but I like I think Her is a better movie. It's got the creative points, it's funny. Um it it thinks about its premise uh in a deep way. Um and it's and it's a sign of our times too. So I have to go with her. Mm-hmm. Barrett, what do you think? Uh, I'm going her. I'm going her too. I think Gosling's having a rough day today. He is. Boy, he's he is. taking a beating. We're telling everybody how great of an actor he is right now, mm-hmm. but he's really taking a beating today. It's not his fault. Yeah, it isn't. Uh, and these movies that we've sent off are all good. It's just that they're we're getting into the the areas where. Um, these movies are are tough that are going up against. Well, what, what we're doing is the the movies that we're ending up picking are pretty singular. Like, there's no movie like her, and we can't. If somebody says Jexy in the comments, they can kiss yeah. my ass. Right? Like, there's no movie like her <laughs> that has the ambition, that has the heart. There's no movie like Parasite. You know, so yeah. like we we even Inception. You know, Mad Max Fury Road. Like, these are very, very singular movies. Mm-hmm. Parasite and Her will be going up against each other the next match. Oh, fuck. Oh. Right? Ow. Ow. <laughs> um, Ow. Uh, we go to the West region. Our last two matchups of the day, we have the number one seed, Ex Machina, going up against the Wolf of Wall Street. Mm. And, uh, mm. and, uh, yeah, um... Ooh. <laughs> where do we start does anybody want to talk to start off on? Yeah, i i love both of these movies you know how much i love wolf of wall street but just after i said that wolf of wall street you can see that movie being made even by scorsese in like another 10 years right with another billionaire that's behaving badly mm-hmm. because it is fun at least for assholes like me to watch the debauchery and eventual downfall, even though he ends up getting redeemed uh, or back on his feet. Like uh, it's just too much fun to see how over the top you can make something. But I think we could probably see it before. I don't know if it's been done as well as it's done here, but uh, I, yeah, I, I love it. I don't, I don't know how singular it is. Mm. Right. 
It's, it's funny that you make that you made that uh, discussion about singular movies, and here is Ex Machina going up against Wolf of Wall Street, which has mm-hmm. got that same kind of uh, flavor um, yeah. on this whole thing. <laughs> Were you about to say something, Jeremy? Uh, just that the wolf uh, ate Paddington last week, and I'm still not over it. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, and I hold a grudge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do, I do tend to agree on this line of thinking that. God, we, we split hairs so much in this thing, but this is not the first Wall Street rich guys are terrible movie that we've ever seen. It has its own unique style, I think. Um, but you know, Oliver Stone's made two such movies already, um, and you know, Ex Machina. <laughs> I'm going uh, to say he's only. <laughs> I'm going to say he's only made one because that sequel doesn't count. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> you wiping it off the face of existence. That, that yes. sequel never exists to me. All right, uh, but you know, then you got Ex Machina, who is you know, who is what is uh, <laughs> a very, very, very unique idea. Yes, it is. Uh, that that movie wraps you up from the very beginning of it. I don't think it ever lets go either. I don't think there's a slow moment in Ex Machina. Even when it's slow, it's really being interesting. Uh, because the the world that they're in, like we talked about this dude's house, which I guess they've they've built a set, but they've also used uh, interiors of some uh, hotel uh, uh, for for some of that or whatever. But it's a place that I want to stay. It's a place I want to be at. I, like if you were to if you were to be uh, quarantined. You would want to be in that house, right? <laughs> right, right. That's the that's house that's got all the Apparently, shit. Yeah, unlimited <laughs> booze, unlimited, like, not only just good food, like, top-of-the-line food, which is mm-hmm. apparently developed, you know, delivered via helicopter every, I don't know, four yeah. weeks or something like that. Yeah. Uh, every fortnight. Yeah, <laughs> this is just a genius idea. and it, So Alex Garland wrote it and directed it. And I you know, looked it up. If you ever get a chance, look at his IMDb. The poor guy looks like a mopey dude. Oh, but he makes great shit. <laughs> he he <laughs> does make good shit. Did you, uh, have either of you watched that devs thing? No, but it it's higher on my list than Better Call Saul. That's not a dig. I'm just saying it's higher on my list. It sounds like a dig. It's a dig, <laughs> but it's not a dig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pick X Machina here. I don't think you guys are probably going to pick anything else either, but uh, I think Ex Machina is uh, fantastic. And uh, in this matchup, it's, it's Ex Machina. Does it make you so happy, Jeremy, to see, to avenge your Paddington being eaten by the Wolf of Wall Street? I'd rather go back and <laughs> avenge Roma, but I, I did today basically by killing off La La Land. Um, so uh yes it does make me feel good uh and paddington will rise again just so that you know it would have been paddington versus ex machina what would you (laughs) because it was going to get fucked by a robot this week Oh dear! <laughs> There's a visual, a visual we need. Indeed, <laughs> new uses for the marmalade. Uh, I don't know, but it, but but this, but this, Jesus. this female looks looks and acts real to me, so it must be real. <laughs> it must be real. Let us have sex. Yes. <laughs> Why would that even occur to him while he's having sex with her? Is I think she's real. 
<laughs> did you all pick Ex Machina? Did I miss that? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Ex Machina, for sure. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, I was about to say, like, uh, some surprise thing that Jeremy, like, oh, Wolf of Wall Street all the way or something. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I would take shit for that, rightfully so. Uh, we get to our final matchup here. The two seed Get Out and the three seed Interstellar. Ah, mm. See, this one looked mm. like, to me, one of the worst or one of the hardest matchups. It definitely is one of the toughest ones. Uh, I watched Get Out again uh a couple days ago um it had been a while uh not too long but uh, i needed to give this one another go because interstellar i'd seen a couple times in the past uh six months or so um this is i'm telling you man i both of these movies are super rewatchable for content that shouldn't necessarily be super rewatchable like it's not cool to see the stuff that they do or plan to do to Daniel Kaluuya's character in Get Out, but it's done in such a way that it's fascinating. The performances are electric and it's rewatchable. And especially if you know how it ends. Now, what do you guys think? Wasn't there an original ending to this where the cops show up, which is what I totally thought at the end when I first saw this, where the cops show up, see a black guy standing over a white, a dead white girl. And we all know what happens in reality. Glad you asked that. Cause it's on the Blu-ray, the uh, ending that he shot. That Is was, it really? Yeah. That he was, that was supposed to happen. Um, so yes, uh, in this, in the situation that we see in the movie, he's standing over her. We see uh, flashing lights. We're like, Oh no, but it ends up being Lil Ro Howery and and which is yeah one of the nicest finally something good happens to this poor guy right yeah and the uh other one it's he's standing over her and and the cops and the uh, the cops show up and they're they point their guns and they're like get down on the ground and all that and then it moves on to Lil Ro Howery going into uh the the booth where you talk to people in the prison or whatever and he talks to him and and you know Kaluuya is in an orange jumpsuit and uh they're they're and he and Lil Ro Howery's like man if you can just think of anything about that house any details or whatever and Kaluuya's like he's like man just just give up it's been six months uh the the important thing for me is they can't do this anymore they can't do this mm. anymore and uh and he's like just stop stop looking for uh ways to get me out of prison and they, uh, he gets up, he hangs the phone up and he walks off and they, uh, the guards take him, you know, further into the prison and everything. And that, and it, it still plays that song that at the end of, uh, at the end of get out, uh, that brother and that, yeah. you know, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I watched it with and without commentary. Um, mm -hmm. and the, and Jordan Peele said that this is the ending that I wanted and that Daniel Kaluuya probably signed up for the movie for is to have this, mm. this very realistic ending and everything. Uh, but considering what had happened with the election and everything, remember mm. this movie came out in February of 2017. Mm. Uh, he felt like they needed to have a hero at the end of this movie and not have, and not pile on with some more just depressing dour notes. Although that ending uh, 
is is very good. Um, the the fact that he's content to just spend the rest of his life in prison, he stopped those people from doing it again, is a great ending. Yeah, sounds awesome. I wonder if it would have gotten the amount of uh, Academy love if they had gone with that original almost horror movie ending, mm-hmm. right? Now, if you think about it, this may have happened anyway. The house is burned down, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So there's no evidence of the lab anymore. Right. The uh, Allison Williams is still dead. Mm-hmm. The the caretaker is still dead. And even though Lil Rel, How, Lil, Lil Rel Howery gets him, who do they who do they come after after this right yeah no idea because um because i don't know if they can put two and two together there and say all oh, the boyfriend must have been there at the house and he did all this stuff um, that's true because they that's the whole point of the the license right is not to to put him in that area yes uh so he's essentially in the clear unless somebody puts two and two together i'm just thinking like forward in the story I am for that reason because of all the context. Um, I'm kind of glad that he did the the Wayne's World happy ending uh, myself. But uh, it is fascinating to think how the world would have accepted that movie if he went with that more realistic one. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, would I, you have liked it better, Jeremy? I need to watch it to see if I would have liked it better. I tend to gravitate more toward ass-kicking endings than happy endings. Like, that's why I like the ending of The Mist. That's why, like, (laughs) I don't, I don't, because so many movies have a happy ending, when you get something, or even a twist, like a tin cup that's a not happy ending that still gets happy, um, I tend to lean towards that stuff more. I'm just glad they're not making a sequel. Um, oh, no it, kidding. It sounds like a very cool ending that I think would have played. I think the movie would have gotten about the same amount of acclaim. Um, but uh, yeah, I want to watch it now. Um, mm-hmm. I do love, I do love like just little touches in there. I mean, this is nothing, nothing. No other movie has done before, but like they, uh, the, the fact that at the beginning when she's like, well, I'm going to take you to see my parents and everything. And by the end of it, by the end of that conversation, he's like, well, you know, I don't want to be in a situation where they're running me out, running me out in the front yard with a shotgun and everything. And that actually happens, uh, with her, uh, at the end of it. Um, uh, the, the, oh, the thing that I wanted to talk about, about this movie, uh, that I didn't have, I don't think I've discussed before is how much we talk to each other in a way where we don't want to, uh, upset each other or cause any cause any problems or anything throughout this movie. Uh, Allison Williams, you know, Brad, Bradley Whitford and, and Catherine Keener and, and, uh, and, uh, uh, Caleb Landry Jones and all these people say some things that they don't know is quite racist. Uh, maybe Caleb Landry Jones's character does because he seems like he's all the way racist. Um, but they say some things that are, that are off kilter. And there's a point where Allison Williams is sitting there brushing her teeth. And she's like, you know, my dad is like, you know, uh, when has he ever said stuff like this? When is he? It's like, this is the first time I've ever heard him say stuff like this and whatever. And he goes, I told you. 
and uh, yeah. and uh, and she yeah. goes, yeah, but blah blah blah. And he's like, he's like, it's okay, it's fine. He's already made peace with it, but still, it's fucked up. And you know, he wants to say <laughs> something about it. Uh, he hasn't quite gotten to that point of it of it pouring out and everything. But every time somebody says something or does something fucked up in this, he lets it slide, and it's a it's a really weird. I mean, it's really an interesting dynamic. I love it, man. At the very beginning, in that first conversation that you're talking about, he asks, "Do they know I'm black?" And she's like, "Oh, yeah. they won't care, or whatever it is." Mm-hmm. And he has that look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. yeah. um, like, I know, I know what to expect. Yes, you know? there's a point too. It's it, you think about. Okay, so he gets hypnotized against his will, obviously, in this movie. After it's done, and he realizes for sure that he got hypnotized, and he's done smoking and all that. Um. He, he, it's funny. He's, he's, he's letting it go. He likes Allison Williams. He's in love with her, whatever. Uh, he lets it go. He doesn't say anything about it. You know, it's something that should be something that he's upset about. But then when he tells his friend and think about when you say something out loud, finally, it sounds so fucked up. Yeah, um, that's when he takes it up to another level. Yeah, <laughs> and and it, you need somebody like that to play off against because when he said he's like, "Man, last night I, I think I got hypnotized." He's like, he's like, "Oh my god, man!" Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, next thing you know, you're gonna be under, you're gonna be one of the sex slaves, man, and all that. And he goes and uh, and it's. I mean, it's amazing to me. That was the thing that I pulled out of this movie more on this, on this viewing was just how willing he is to keep the peace, how everybody really is like in just everyday life things, willing to keep the peace because they don't want to get into that whole conversation. They don't want to make something end or they don't want to make something, you know, they don't want to have tension or whatever it is. And you'll accept any stupid thing as long as you have one good thing and um and it was just uh it was just a, a it was a treat sort of watching that movie again this under that light uh i think that's that. another layer of the racial message of the movie right is that he has to he's the one that has to constantly let things slide, not mm-hmm. Bradley Whitford, mm-hmm. right? That's right. It's mm-hmm. the black guy that has to let all the white casual racist shit slide. Absolutely. And, and that's why I love this movie is that it, we were joking earlier about layers, but it's got fucking layers. I mean, you can watch this from, if you just want to have a nice scare, if you want to have a deep kind of study into race and modern race relations. And uh, this movie is deep. A lot mm-hmm. deeper than most horror movies even try to be. Mm-hmm. I will say though uh, that by the end of it, I I still I know that there that the whole idea is that black is in fashion, so that's why they are kidnapping black people and everything. But still, their 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 technique and what these old people want a lot of times don't have much to do with with a with being black at all. Um, and like the Stephen Root character just wants his eye, his eye, yeah, yeah. like you know. Yeah, so it's about privilege too, mm-hmm. you know, and at the expense of literally another race because they're in style right now, right? You know what I mean? Right, and uh, and uh, I mean this, this, yeah, it would it would work just as fine on anybody else if they wanted to kidnap, uh, 
I don't know who could who like if they wanted to kidnap Mark McGuire uh, back in the day, <laughs> uh, they could have they could have done that, and you know it would have been the same same sort of deal. The 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 <laughs> the, uh, the thing that uh, the other thing about it is once these white people are in their black bodies and everything, like it's another, th- it's one thing to look black, but to act black is impossible for them. Oh yeah. Oh, it's yeah. impossible. Like they sit there, like they, they think everything is normal the way that they're acting and everything, but it just doesn't come off right. It always comes off creepy. Every time they say something, when you put these old white people in these young black people and they're sitting there like saying stuff like when, when he's like, I, I when uh, Kaluuya says, uh, I wasn't going to snitch and Georgina's like snitch. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, I wasn't going to rat you out. And she goes, tattletale and he's like yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, i guess that's what i mean you know um it's it it's it's just it's interesting in that dynamic too talking about layers and everything and uh i hope uh i hope that by my descript very description of this i'm not saying anything fucked up i'm just saying this is what i saw when i watched this movie no you're good uh it goes up against interstellar Another Nolan film mm. in our bracket. Mm. Uh, mm. Another movie that is awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. We're talking about mm-hmm. space and shit, man. We're talking about some serious <laughs> space today. Um, uh, any anybody have anything to say more about? I was I was curious, and I'm not. I'm clearly not the first person to bring this up. But Interstellar was 2014, and The Martian was 2015, right? Mm-hmm. So that's like two years in a row that Matt Damon has been stranded on a planet by by himself. Indeed, yes, yeah. It was that's pretty. That's pretty crazy. It was it was a pretty stark thing to see The Martian and see Chastain and Damon. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, it was just. It was just. It was like. I mean, I, I feel like they that people saw Interstellar and then they were like, "Well, let's put those same people in The Martian," you know. <laughs> but make sure Damon gets his own planet. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I did realize this week when I was reading about uh, the new Dune coming up, the Denis Villeneuve, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> that, that my French is getting better. Yeah. Uh, that apparently <laughs> Timothy Chalamet's first movie role was Interstellar, and he went when he went to the theater to, to see the movie, he hadn't realized how small his role was going to be, and it made him cry. Oh, really? Um, wow. To realize how little of the movie he was ultimately in. Now, this is probably because a movie like Interstellar shoots 10 hours and then edits down to two hours and 45 minutes. Um, and it's also probably because he was it was his first gig. He didn't really necessarily understand how exactly it worked. And he's not hurting today. He's one of the biggest young movie stars we have. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that humanized him a little bit more for me. Imagine your first big movie and it's Christopher Nolan and you're going to space and you're like in a scene and a half. For yeah. Like I always <laughs> wonder... I wonder about yeah. that sometimes with like with some of these these actors who somehow I, I don't know if it's because they don't have the full script in front of them or they didn't read the full script. They just read the parts that pertain to them or what. But like uh, there's that. I don't know if this is a legend or if this is true or what, but uh, the uh, Danny Lloyd, who played Danny Torrance in the shining didn't know he was in a horror movie. Yep. Oh, I've heard that. Like, yep. like how in the world did he not know he was in a horror movie? Like they kept was, everything uh, away from him. They did. Yeah. Kubrick and, uh, the, the film 
filmmaker. You remember the the uh, Leon uh, Vartowski? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, his his assistant mm. who ended up casting Danny uh, Danny Lloyd. Uh, he was like, you know, the the only I, I don't know if his parents said the only condition is that you keep this away, or if it was Kubrick's idea, or if it was Leon. God damn it, Trotsky! What's the guy's? I've it's it's an Italian last name. Anyway, uh, they worked together to where like one, well, not one take, but like a few takes because it's Kubrick. A few takes, and then get him the hell off the set, and then we'll we'll cut to him and and post. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, he didn't see it until like obviously years and years and years later. Yeah, it's Leon Vitale. Um, Vitale, yeah. But yeah, like even with the the twins that are at the end of the hallway, he just thought that that was just you know. Yeah, yeah. He's just doing the peekaboo. Well, I don't thing, think right? I don't think they even. I don't think they're all bloody and stuff. They're bloody later, but like they all they are is just twins, and it, right. and it, it doesn't seem like they're ghosts or anything like that to him when he was when he was uh shooting it but yeah stuff like well, when he pulls up it's just them right yeah, just them and standing just standing there. there and then it's the alternating shots come play with us forever mm-hmm. and then he covers yeah either, yeah all that stuff could be done later but like uh yeah yeah, yeah. but uh but yeah for, for it's like the floppy penis in roma it's like the floppy penis in roma <laughs> i'm not wrong you're not wrong. No. You're, not, you're, not, you're not wrong, wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Uh, but that's what—that's the the thing that I think about when you hear like Timothy Chalamet didn't know he was in more of the movie. Like, did you know? Did you did you notice the hundred and something other pages after that you were done? After you were done with it, I guess not. Um, but uh, yeah, um, Interstellar. Uh, constantly gets better i always bring up the 30 minutes of the uh in the middle where uh chastain's trying to figure out the figure out the puzzle essentially and uh mcconaughey and damon are fighting on that planet and just it just it just propels the way nolan does those it just propels you through that movie and um and i love it so much um okay what are we gonna pick out of this (laughs) this is a toughie man I will pick Interstellar. Interstellar. And I would like it on the record that my instinct, my gut instinct was to pick against Interstellar because Interstellar crushed uh, Zero Dark Thirty last week, but I did not choose revenge. I I truly am choosing my heart. Okay, Okay, I'm going to go get out on this one. Uh... If we if we keep if we keep this theme going of you know super uh, unique movies, um, you could choose either one of these and make a very very good case. Of it, right? <laughs> yeah, you could. Uh, unfortunately, like we said, The Wolf of Wall Street maybe it doesn't apply to, but these two are uh, absolutely unique. I'm gonna go get out. Get out right now. <laughs> get out. So what you're telling me is if Interstellar is involved, I choose wrong all the time. <laughs> uh, I, think you, I think you picked Interstellar over Manchester by the Sea. Well, there so, you go. All uh, right. That's good to know. And it's no longer in the bracket, oh, so you can't be wrong anymore. Um, well, it's not, like, it's not like space isn't well represented. That's true. In, in the, the remaining. Well, actually, there's only one other space movie. Okay. So Ex Machina now goes up against Get Out. 
in the Elite Eight. Wow. Holy fucking shit. All right, wow. so let's look over this Elite Eight again, and we will be doing that, and I guess we might even do the Final Four. And uh, Well, no, we'll see. I think we'll have to see. I think I think we'll do the lead eight, and then we'll do the final four and championship on the next episode after that. Yeah, I like that because this this took up uh, a lot of time, and we've got some questions from you people that uh, we want to answer and all that stuff. Um, so the elite eight is Mad Max Fury Road versus Hell or High Water, Inception mm. versus The Martian, mm. Parasite versus Her, and mm. Ex Machina mm. versus Get Out. Mm. Let's fight. Yeah. What do we do? Yeah. No kidding. Some tough wow. stuff. Wow. All still contenders here. Really, any of them could could go all the mm-hmm. way. Yep. I agree. Uh, go to Sincast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. We're also on CinemaSins Twitter, Music Video Sins Twitter. We uh, have a Discord. If you want to get on Discord, you can go to the Reddit page on the right side and find a link there, or you can private message me on Facebook and I can give you a link through that. We're also on SoundCloud. And sorry, uh, I haven't been responding to SoundCloud recently, but I will get right back on it. Uh, we love hearing your stuff on all the platforms, so keep it yeah. coming. Uh, but that'll do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. I turned on, while I was waiting for you you guys, I turned on uh, the... It's the new uh, offering from Joe Swanberg, the Mumblecore guy, mm-hmm. called Art History. And I was like, I love Swanberg. I pretty much love everything that he's done. Uh, let me just watch the first couple minutes of it. First couple minutes of it literally is a, an incredibly graphic sex scene. Like yeah! of, of a ch- naked chick putting a condom on this dude and them going through the machinations of the beginnings of sex while... The guy, the char- the director character is filming it, uh, presumably for like an art project or something like that. Hmm. Nice. Are they? So yeah. I might have to watch the first few minutes of that. Yeah. Movie. Are they including <laughs> all the names of all the people at the Justice Department that are covering up for the, uh, the you know, <laughs> covering up for Detroit and the and the and the car industry and all that. I saw something. I think it was an Anna Kendrick Christmas movie. That he did. And he did that? I remember, Jeremy, weren't you talking about that? That Anna Kendrick Christmas movie? Uh, or you, no, Chris, no. you said it and you, had, you hadn't heard of it? I'd heard of it, but uh, I don't think it started life as a Netflix movie. I don't really remember. It's got it, Melanie Lensky in it. it. Is it good? Yeah, I haven't seen it. Uh, it's, I think it was, I think I remember it being average. Such a weird thing. I mean, every every indie director has one of those, I guess, but... It seems like Swanberg has carved out such a lane for himself that he's not really looked to deviate over the years. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've also seen something that one of his like actors or disciples or producers or somebody, a movie he did, which was a sequel to the movie that Joe Swanberg did. And in the whole movie is about doing a sequel to that movie. That was on movie, wasn't it? it? Yeah, it was. I think I remember it seeing was, that. Actually, yeah, yeah. Because that tree 
that tree includes like the Duplass brothers and like a ton of people, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Did either of you watch the uh, 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 recent episode of Breaking uh, or Breaking Call Saul? Better Call Saul. Yeah, I saw it last night. I haven't seen any of this season. Dude, you are missing what I think is the best season of this series. Yeah, it's weird. I agree. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I agree. I agree. It's it. it I've been I've been very strongly engaged with the season. It's because it's less about story building and gotchas and here's Gus Frank and here's Mike Hermantrout and here's the German dudes that build the lab and are trying to get back to their big burly women in Bavaria or wherever. And it's more about like the actual uh, characterization of the main guys, mm-hmm. and it's awesome. And this. Last episode, the last 20 minutes, uh, was some of the best, most compelling television I have, I think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got too much to catch up on. Maybe, I mean, I'll watch it eventually. I don't hate that show. I just, you know, I don't love it the way everybody else has. And uh, couldn't get it up. I couldn't get it up for the season. No, after last season, I was not excited for this season. But this one is like what blowing everybody's it saying out of about- the water. Everybody's saying that about Westworld too, like because uh, season two was like almost aggressively annoying, and I guess season three is like fantastic. And I'm like, okay, I'll come around eventually, but I'm still bitter. <laughs> you hold a grudge against a show, man. Uh, I mean, you know, if I invest enough time and it goes completely like the first season of Westworld was confusing but interesting, and the second season seems specifically designed to to. To make you have, like, the end of that season, you have no fucking idea what's going on. And I'm, I'm not entertained by that. I bet you're getting really good at archery, Jeremy. Uh, well, the last few days, it's been a, a little bit nipply to be going outside to, to shoot arrows. Uh, oh, yeah? yeah? I'm improving. Yeah, what the fuck was that? Uh, it's, it was like 70s and 80s. And then, yeah. and then, and we're in April now. And suddenly, all right, it's 30s and 40s again. Yeah, they fucking hate us. Fuck. <laughs> No kidding, they hate us. <laughs> they, they hate us. They, the, the ones that control the weather, they hate yep. us. <laughs> Sean Connery and his group of colored bears. That's right. Yes, That's yes right. they. That's right. What do they call the bong in Pineapple Express? Hmm. It's like the oh. one he got in, like, Israel. What, the Seth Is Rogans bong? or Danny McBride? Is it bong mitzvah? Oh, it could be. Or bong, bongzilla? Oh, man. There's some bong that... One had given the other as a gift, and it gets destroyed in that fight uh, at Danny McBride's uh, house. Let's see. It is. I think it's. I think it's. Uh, shit. <laughs> I think it's Bong Mitzvah. It's probably you're probably right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Wow. I mean, anytime nice. somebody is like, I think it's something really specific. I'm like, okay, it probably is that. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, yeah, when, it's especially when it's Jeremy. Yes. 